everybody, welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is on the phone lines with me. You can check out all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com and michigan.247sports.com. Uh, Going to have lots of stuff. We got to talk to 13 players after the spring game, uh, and I know I know Steve was out of town, so he is really itching to get back into uh, to the to the writing game with the recruiting and the football updates as well. Uh, lots of stuff going on. Even though it's the off season, uh, Michigan's got us to the point where, and this is partly due to the the fans and the readers, but there's always something going on. This week was the spring game. Uh, we got to see Michigan football in action. It was minimal action if you're talking about the top you know three string players uh, it was 10 drives about 50 minutes of action pretty pretty minimal but uh, as I as I wrote in my 10 takeaways there's actually a lot to take away and we can jump into it Steve our, our five lasting thoughts I know the the big one the one everyone's talking about the one you and I have talked about the offense uh, we've heard in the past that they're changing the offense tweaking the offense you know they've they've shuffled who's not necessarily calling plays, but who's in charge a little bit. But this year, they seem to really hammer that all spring. And then, you know, I'm not sure uh, how you could possibly have watched on Saturday and not thought the offense was fundamentally different. They had the play cards, you know, with the pictures that they hang from the sidelines. They had, they didn't huddle. They worked at a quick pace. They, they did a lot of crossing routes, stuff over the middle. Uh, I don't believe the quarterbacks went under center once. Uh, this was a complete and total change I'm curious I mean you know we've talked about it they put up 38 points on Wisconsin 42 on Penn State didn't need to wasn't like the offense was flatlined last year but uh, certainly exactly what they probably wanted to show to Michigan fans yeah I thought so you know the in a deal like this I think the biggest thing you want to look at is how the quarterbacks look and to me that doesn't necessarily mean guy goes 12 for 13 or mm-hmm. anything like that it's more about do they look like they know what they're doing out there you know and with a whole new playbook a whole new system and, and things like that kind of got the sense for the most part that that's the case I think that this offense I think the biggest thing about this is like they're not it's different than what they've done but for a lot of these guys it's not really going to be a reinventing the wheel type situation because it fits the skill set of a lot of the guys they already have on the roster you know it's not a I wouldn't call it a desperation move this transition I think it's just more of a maybe a practical yes you know because I think there's a the the speed the skill at quarterback these guys can make plays on their feet uh there's some young skill players as well who can make plays I think both you have to be encouraged by you know, all three really of Oliver Martin, Sane Rastill, and Ronnie Bell uh, as guys who this offense really may help them. You know, again, if Sane Rastill's an instant impact guy, we'll see. It sure looks like they think he can be, though. The way I'm fully convinced he's going to be. Right. I don't think it's a so, snowball. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, in that regard, I think a lot of guys, I know that's where, you know, for fans, I think it'll be exciting when Nico's 100%. People Jones is 100 percent, and all these guys are on the field, you because know, that's what that's a thing. I mean, it was a deal where if they had kept everything the same, the offense was still going to be a lot better this year anyway because they returned so much experience, especially up front. Mm-hmm. But now I think they, I think you, you can, you're, you know, because we 
got to tangibly see it yesterday. Uh, you can see that they are really setting things up to put guys in and get them in open space and let them make plays, which, again, I know like, the speed and space mantra, but really, I mean, that's kind of what it was. Uh, getting guys in the open. I think one thing I noticed, too, they seem to utilize the middle of the field a lot more yeah. with their faster yeah. guys. Um, that was one thing that stood out to me, too. And so, yeah, it's hard not to be encouraged just because, again, there's it's such a collection of talent. Uh, like I said, they were already going to be better in 2019, but you know I think this is going to be a system that's going to utilize their talents even more than what the next step in the progression of what the offense was last year would have. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. It does make sense. And and uh, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it just you know, in talking to the players afterward, and um, one thing that also stood out to me about the changed offense was how smooth it was. There weren't. Not that the refs are going to call false starts in the spring game or the, not like they're going to, uh, you know, pick apart everything. It's it's obviously controlled. It's a controlled. It wasn't even a game. It was a controlled scrimmage with game elements. But just seemed like everyone was doing the right assignments, doing the right thing, making the right moves. And so it's, yeah, and that's something that I think people, maybe non-football people, more so than people who have played or whatever, I mean, that's something that's hard to do. It's hard to get all 11 guys doing the right thing every single time, like at, with the right timing and the placement and the, the working in cohesion. I uh, felt like there were some good, uh, you know, group blocks and all that, that they were doing as well. I thought, you know, I, I didn't, I'm not going to look into the run game. They're missing possibly their top three guys. They weren't even playing tackle football. So that's a little different, but, you know, the holes were created. The, you know, every everything seemed in sync. And, you know, Sean McCune after the game, I was talking to him about it, and he said that they – they have a chart, you know, with the margin of error, how much, what percentage of errors they make as an offense in every practice. And he said this week it got really low, like half of what it was, uh, you know, maybe a couple weeks ago. So I think, I mean, again, you know, if you're a Michigan fan, that's probably exactly what you want to hear. You want to hear uh, just how, you know, them going faster. Uh, it seemed like everyone after the game, True Wilson talked about it. I know Dylan McCaffrey talked about it at the, the identity of the offense is fast, and that's not something I don't know if Michigan's ever had that identity when it comes to to offense. And so, you know, don't know if it's going to work. You know, I think the big question a lot of our listeners have is, will it beat Ohio State? I don't know, but they they felt like they needed to make changes. And I think for the first time, I think they, they made significant, noticeable changes because we heard about it last year. You know, we heard that they were doing more shotgun, more RPO, and they kind of did. I don't think it's fair to say that they didn't change it at all, but a lot of times, especially in against the good teams, it looked very similar to what it had in the previous years. So uh, that's one thing. You know, I think you kind of touched on Martin Bell and Sainer still. Uh, our second lasting thought is uh, either this is either the cornerbacks or the receivers, but guys are getting really open, and and that's related to the changed offense. But I think they've got some personnel. I mean, Sainer still he looks. He looks very fast. He looks right now, you know, contribute right now type of fast. I thought Ronnie Bell, very elusive. Uh, saw him. He was also the leading kick returner. I mean, over a guy who started at the position for two years. So that might speak to his ability at the, at the role. Uh, you know, even without, and I know Tariq Black, uh, he had a little bit of a hamstring injury that's been hampering him. Not, not taking him out of too many practices, but he hasn't been 100% very much this spring, so he didn't make a big play. That's, that's all right. 
Uh, but it seemed like guys were getting really open. You know, from you watching, I think you were saying you think, well, one, they could have just been trying, telling the cornerbacks and defensive backs, hey, get more open. Uh, but, you know, two, the defensive backs, I know Lavert Hill uh, is, is out, but some of the other cornerbacks, they're new. I mean, I don't know. It's one of those things when, when you're playing yourself, when someone looks good, that either means they looked good or someone else looks bad. Uh, but but it seemed like guys were getting really open. Yeah, I think it's. I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of it is just it's just a light scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the thing. It's like yeah, it's like on the yeah, one hand you we just got done talking about how great those three receivers looked, but then does that mean we go ahead and trash the performance of? the defensive backs or something right. <laughs> like that, you know, I, um, you know, and I, I don't know. I, I think as always, I think the answer is always somewhere in the middle. Uh, I wonder, you know, like I said, if how much maybe Michigan wanted to use this opportunity or event to just kind of showcase what the offense is going to look like yeah. compared to what he yeah. used to, to get the fans a little hyped up and not to say this was all that it was the performance was all a big sham or anything like that. I'm just saying like, I kind of suspect that, you know, Michigan didn't maybe have their defense running at full force yesterday for the most part. So well, there, there's um, there's injuries and and they're trying right, out right. different guys. I mean, because right. because one thing with Don Brown's defense and Zordich's approach at, at cornerback is that they are going to hang you out to dry. So if you don't have experience, you are going to probably struggle more than maybe in another defense where you're doing a lot of zone concepts or there's a lot of shifting and and you know people are a little further off the line so yeah i think hard to tell uh we did have to get up to five lasting thoughts so (laughs) just wanted to throw that one in there what's some way or another someone's they're getting open and that could be good that could be bad for michigan as you said i think it's probably a little bit of both i don't think you're gonna have um you know because i think one thing people forgot about is devin bush was like in pro football focus he was like the best pass coverage linebacker out there you know, he wasn't right. just this fast dude that hit got to the quarterback. He was fast guarding receivers. And so he's going to be missed. I, I think, I think obviously, David Long <laughs> led the nation in, like, every pass coverage stat that Pro Football Focus uses, basically. Uh, I think he allowed, what, 25% completion rate. So, so that's significant. But, yes, you're right. It seems like every year the teams that – everyone's you know worried about at the spring game are the teams where the offense doesn't do well so if Michigan's trying to juice up the PR you know juice up the fan excitement sell some tickets uh, behooves them to to do some offense there were some plays made I mean I know I know uh, Hawkins had an interception Michael Barrett had a pick you know I think there were some overthrows by the quarterbacks as you said it's not that's not really what we're looking at because um, <laughs> They're throwing to all whole bunch of different types of receivers and things like that. But, uh, yeah, people were getting open. I, I think you're right, though. I think especially Bell and Sainra still. I thought, you know, you can just tell they're, they're, they've got that natural ability to just find some space. And I think that's why they both, I mean, Sainra still hasn't done it in a game yet, but both seem to be well exceeding their recruiting ranking. You know, Bell already has. And he's just getting right. started, and I think Sainra still. As I as I said, I think I'm. He's got to be good. There's no way 
no way this many players, you know, they're asked who's, who has stood out this spring. Every single one of them, the first one they say is Saner still. That's a, uh, that's not an accident, you know, and I don't think they're like pumping him up for nothing as we've talked about, you know, sometimes they'll like pump up a player to, to boost their confidence, but usually that's not, it's not this level. They're not, especially a true freshman, you know, early enrollee. They're not, they're not saying this if, if there isn't some truth to it. And you saw him; he made a couple nice plays. You know, you can see where the, where the excitement comes from. I mean, he's just a really fast dude who gets open. Michigan can use that. Simple. Yeah. Uh, another another lasting thought. This one on the defensive side. I, I just I don't know. I don't know about you. I felt significantly differently about the defensive line after yesterday you know some of this was in the game but you know when they're not actually tackling people it's hard to tell but even just the drills Donovan Jeter looks significantly faster it was actually interesting hearing him talk about how he thinks the biggest change is he's really settled down off the field you know I think he said Greg Madison (laughs) was constantly on on his case and other coaches might have given up on him but Madison didn't didn't give up so it's you know, I think he's slimmed down. He's really bought in. That's and that's why he's a starter. I think Julius Welshoff is definitely like two seventy. I know he's listed at two fifty two. Uh, he's he's looking like a like a big guy. Aiden Aiden Hutchinson, you know, is like two hundred seventy five pounds of muscle right now. Uh, just can, he just looks very much like guys I've interviewed in the past. You know, his body shape and and you know the muscle percentage things like that. Mozzie Smith looked really good. I wasn't sure what to expect out of him, but pretty quick feet. He can he can get really flexible. He's kind of like Josh Uche almost, or you know he comes around the corner and he can he can get that bend. I know he plays on the inside, but um, certainly doesn't hurt to have that this early. And then Jeter was mentioning Mozzie Smith outlifts him, you know, and, and or can not every time, but he wouldn't admit that. But um, sure. <laughs> I mean, I think think they've got another guy there. You know, I think the freshman, uh, you know, Eric All, someone that we didn't mention, but he had a he was queued up a few times. I don't, you know, they queue up everybody probably at least once, but it seemed like they were. Feels like they view him as a potential rotation pass catcher, either at tight end or receiver. Uh, but yeah, the defensive line, you know, we already probably have our own opinions on Kemp, Pay, and Uche. Those those three are probably solid, but just last week we were talking about the depth. What was going to happen? What's the rotation look like? It sure seems like it's, you know, I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't think it's going to be a problem. I think that was one of my 10 takeaways that I wrote. Defensive line isn't going to drop off as much as, as much as I thought. That's, that's a personal opinion. No, I mean, I've, I've actually kind of felt that way for a while, especially with that first unit. Uh, you know, I think I wrote the piece a couple weeks ago. We talked about it on the podcast about, how far, like how, you know, I don't think, I think Aiden Hutchinson can be an all-conference kind of guy for them on the edge. Uh, with Quiddy Pay already has that potential, but Aiden Hutchinson hasn't really had the ample opportunity to showcase that yet. I think he comes in and has a huge year this year. I've thought that for a long time. You could see it in flashes last year, but he really didn't need to play a lot uh, with who he had in front of him. So, you know, and then, Jeter, again, is a guy that he was the first name we mentioned heading into spring ball as a guy that we were that they, we needed to hear about 
and that if you heard good things about him from the coaches and the players, uh, that that was a really good sign that this unit could end up could be better than what people thought they were going to be. And we've heard his name constantly. Uh, as we said before, mm-hmm. he was the first name that came out of Harbaugh and Don Brown's mouth at each of their respective pressers uh, during spring practice. Uh, well, they made him available, right, tonight or after the game yesterday. Yep. Availability so that's theory. Always, that's yeah. one of those little things, right? I mean, it means he's doing something right. They wouldn't throw him out there otherwise. Um, so, yeah, because to me it is, it's all about the middle. I think they're going to be fine on the edge. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a matter of, yes, did, can Jeter take that next step or actually just take that step? Because he's, he's another one who's really never really had the opportunity. And it was interesting to hear him say, you know, about getting more calmed down off the field. He is an excitable kid. Uh, he was in high school during his recruitment. So, you know, sometimes it takes guys a little longer. I know, as a matter of fact, I think Harbaugh has mentioned that on his podcast a few times, is that sometimes it takes guys a couple of years you know, I think they were talking about Charbonnet as a guy who kind of came in all business, yeah, right yeah. away. And that sometimes guys, and that's fine. I don't think that you know, I don't think it's a deal where the coaches look down on the kid or anything like that. I think, but it, you know, sometimes it's got to be frustrating, I would assume. But they know that it's, sometimes it's going to take a little bit for it to click for some guys. So well, you know, happens he's always in, been a happens in yeah. college, not on the team too. How many people yeah, did you know no, at Michigan who? did not realize how serious everything was they they get a c or a d <laughs> on a paper or a test and suddenly they're not going out as much as they they initially were i mean you know not saying that that's anything any of these players have necessarily done but you can just no, some, sometimes we're all, we're all college students at yeah, the end of the day in that yeah. regard, right? sometimes people guy, learn things the harder way than the easy way yeah right you know we had a guy fail out played world of warcraft too much in our hall you know my <laughs> freshman year at michigan you know it's like just yeah it's just some people can't adjust to being on their own or like having like a lot of responsibilities so uh so it happens but you know for things it, it just it sounds like things are clicking and like we've said before uh for some reason people's initial response when you hype a player up is oh we hear this every year but as we've talked about a lot of times that guy actually ends up doing something mm-hmm. very rarely has there been guys where the staff and the players have kind of talked them up consistently. And then the guy lays an egg, right? You know, I think Dwayne Ford took a little longer to get going last year, but I think by the end of the year, you know, or even maybe get to midway through the year and beyond is that he definitely started to look like a guy who can make an impact, right? So yeah. Uche, too, um, same similar Uche, timeline. Right? Yeah. And I remember Chris Evans a couple of years ago was a guy that got a lot of hype coming out of, uh, I think it was, I don't know if he enrolled early or was it? It was fall, fall camp, camp. His, yeah. Yeah, his freshman year where he got a lot of hype like right off the bat, right? So, um, you know, so whatever, if they don't win the national championship this year, it doesn't mean that, you're not allowed to hype players up in the off season because it doesn't pan out or whatever. Like that's it's wrong. So, you know, to hear as many good things as you heard about Jeter, you know, means I think there's could be a little more comfort there up front. And yeah, with Mozzie Smith, we'll see because you know the track record for true freshmen up front, especially in the middle, is not it's 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 not an easy spot to establish yourself right, right away. Yep. But he does get, he does get that extra time. You know, he looks. He's definitely got. He's big. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got the size. Uh, it's just a matter of, I think, conditioning, 
and, and that type of deal. And uh, it sounds like I think he's already made some strides in that area, right? So um, you still got Chris Hinton coming in too, you know, in, in, in the summer. And I, I think he's always been a little bit more of a polished product than Smith was, you know, so maybe he can come in and do some things too. So, you know, I think, yeah, there's the potentials there for the D-line to – it's, I don't know, it's hard to say that they'll be better than they were last year mm, with what they yeah. lost, but uh, but I do think that there's there's a ceiling there, though. Um, that's the thing. Uche, that was really his first taste, too. You know, and he's a guy I almost, in a way, has kind of not gotten lost in the shuffle, but is a guy that, you know, I mean, he had, what, seven or eight sacks in, like, a limited like, he didn't really I think it was six, but yeah, it was that. like a sack a game for a couple right. months yeah <laughs> you know and you know he's a guy that i think still has another step left in him and the same with quitty pay i think those I, I think people are maybe almost underselling the fact that those guys probably haven't reached their ceilings yet uh and so you know and then like you still have luigi Vlaine who looks healthy now you know i think he's a guy i don't, I don't know if he'd be a guy that's gonna come right in and make an impact right away because i I think, you know, as long as he's been out, I think he's still going to have to get acclimated to game speed, mm-hmm. get caught up in that regard. But, um, again, has always had the physical and, and athletic attributes to to be a guy. So, um, no, I'm in agreement. I'm not really surprised that they're better than people thought they were because people see the names that they've lost and think that um, that they're doomed. You know, but, but I don't – I never really bought that – to the fullest extent you know I think uh, you know I think those guys if anything sort of like what happened you know because I remember when they lost Chris Wormley and and Taco and, and Glasgow and Glad- Godin, Ryan Glasgow yeah. yeah right I mean that's those are four guys that are playing in the NFL right now you know and, and that whoever the, the guys that took over for them did fine you know I kind of feel the same way about this group as, as I do you know with Winovich and these guys that came back after or that came through after the Wormley group so um, yeah, I mean, not really too surprised to me to that, that because, like I said, I feel like the baseline was set very low by kind of everybody because mm-hmm. of all those names they lost. I'm not surprised that the perception has maybe been raised a little bit because of how low the bar has been set. Yep, we'll see. You know, right? I mean, it's it's one thing to do it against uh, offensive linemen, and but but again, for those listening and wondering how on earth a two-hand touch game could have that kind of takeaway um just just the way they moved and the way they looked i mean you know i'm not a not a scout but i do watch a lot of players warm up and go through drills and and do things i mean it's it's you get a sense for when when guys are going to be able to make an impact and when they're not um but one thing that really helps the defensive line, I think, and this is our fourth thought because it actually expands to the entire team. Uh, this is this is a really deep team. I think it's Michigan's deepest team under Harbaugh, you know, which is the teams that I've covered. And that, but in effect, I think that would make the this Michigan's deepest team since what 2006, you know. So it's it maybe even deeper than that because you know on on Saturday I saw you know Joel Hon- Honigford making starter caliber blocks. And I saw, you know, we saw Cameron McGrone. I thought someone who, I think he's going to push for a starting job, you know, and I think Ronnie Bell is going to push, maybe not for, maybe not push Martin, but kind of push for a lot of snaps 
in that slot position. Think think Jordan Glasgow. You know, he's someone that's, you know, I don't know what, what position he's the backup at. He's just kind of a roamer, but he was hitting really hard, you know, and he was making a lot of really smart, uh, you know, ahead of ahead of time kind of plays. And so I think you can go basically every position. There's someone that's like third or fourth on the depth chart that was making really nice plays. So it's, I felt like the spring game always shows off the depth, but for better or for worse, because you do have to kind of <laughs> use your second and third string guys. But seems like my thought when watching it and seeing some of the plays they're making was, well, what position other than running back do they not feel very good about their second unit and maybe even their third unit? Yeah, I mean, well, and even at running back, though, when they are when they get healthy, you know, I think that's half the battle there when Turner's at 100% and, and Charbonnet. And again, for the thousandth time, you know, especially with Charbonnet, this was all known that for a long time that he was not going to be con- contributing much, if any, this spring. You know, so, so the, the worry and the concern about whether or not he can make an impact, I think, is remains completely overblown with Turner's injury also being very precautionary, very minor. Yeah. Uh, Well, one thing with Charbonnet though, is people are afraid of the freshman running backs just because it has seemed hit or miss, right? Everyone was juiced up like crazy for Derek Green and Ty Isaac. I know he wasn't a freshman, but I think people are just wary of it, but. Right. but, But that's, that's just a bad, that's like bad logic. You know, just because Derek Green didn't pan out because he was highly rated doesn't mean that, I mean, go back and look. I mean, Charbonnet's film is light years better than Derek Green's high school film was, right? And his 24-7 um, ranking is a lot better. Right. You know, yeah, 24-7 was a little, I think, had the right beat on, on Green. Uh, but anyway, back to the point is, I mean, these this is the first year that Harbaugh's had it's all his guys, and that includes the lone 2015 guy, John Runyon, who they signed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's the lone 15 left. We looked it up, yeah. yeah. He is, right? So yeah. um, so these are all his guys, you know, and that's why I'm not surprised that people that the depth looks better than it has. You know, and I think that's the other thing, too, is you're going to start to see if things turn out the way they want them to is that we talk, We just got done talking about the defensive line, is I think you're going to see more of a reload, not rebuild type deal at a lot of spots because, you know, you look, think about it this way. Look at the offensive line this year. They returned four starters, right? Mm-hmm. That position, those positions almost across the board are set pretty much for the foreseeable future with the depth that they've built. You know, and, and the returning experience they have that has given guys like Filiaga, uh, eventually, you know, will give like Mayfield, Stuber, Spinellis. Spinelli, you know, these guys will have uh, tons of not not necessarily big game experience. We'll see, but they'll have been in the system for how long? Coached by the same coaches, you know, and this is way different than what it was under Hoke. Uh, you know, and as far as, and probably obviously going back to Rodriguez or whatever, as far as 
especially up front, but just in a lot of positions, it was always like guys were getting thrown into the mix before they were really truly ready. Mm-hmm. And I think you're getting, they're finally getting to a place where that's the chances of that happening are much, much lower that if, yeah, if a guy goes down or if whatever, that the guy who comes in for him is going to be much more ready to go than a guy who would have been in that spot four or five years ago. And so that's part of what that's, you know, that's how you know you're recruiting well. And then that's how you know you're maybe starting to build a legitimate program year in and year out. And so, you know, because they've had turnover. Every every school has turnover. But by and large, yeah. though, they've held on to a, a lot of guys. And, and like you said, there's there are plenty of spots right now where it could be some position battles that maybe people didn't think about or uh, not because – and, it, again, not because an incumbent is struggling per se, but because – there's talent underneath the surface that is starting to bubble over a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and get some opportunity. So. Yeah, yeah, less less guys backing into starting roles, more surging forward to them. You know, I think we don't need to name names, but there have been times, even even two years ago, where there were starters who were kind of like, well, they didn't really have anyone else. So it's it's different. Uh, final final thought. Uh, this is when you and I were discussing uh, Michigan. I don't know how to phrase it properly but Michigan had more positives than negatives you know I think they made 13 guys available that's a that's a record under my my time covering other than the bowl game I think the orange bowl had open locker room so obviously that there were more guys available there but other than that I don't don't recall oh and team media day when they used to do those um (laughs) RIP but no I mean it's you know they're making a lot of guys available I think they they showed everything they needed to show you know I think I'd be surprised if fans left unhappy. Maybe they wanted full tackling the whole time. Maybe they wanted, you know, the four quarters. But, um, you know, it was it was an event, right? You know, and I, I think I said this in my story. You can't beat Ohio State today. You can't win the Big Ten title today. As much as fans love to do the, um, oh, the, enough talk, beat Ohio State. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> if you want to fast forward to November, you know. Go ahead. Still the stupidest, just so <laughs> stupid. As if a, as if a coach is going to be up at his presser and say, "Sorry, I can't talk until we beat Ohio State," <laughs> and then just stand up there and not say a damn thing for the rest of their press conference. You know, it's just it's so stupid. Like, just go bury your head in the sand until November. Then, if that's all you care about, you know. So yeah, well, it's just I mean, you know what it is. It's people wanting to yeah. sound tough and and prove that they're they're you know real knowledgeable sports fan because they're skeptical it's you know how it goes and I will say I, I was surprised how many players kind of went at length discussing the Ohio State game as motivation I mean I think I think uh, pretty much everyone did at some point like sometimes unprompted I think Shea Patterson brought it up and mentioned you know everyone needs motivation when they're at practices workouts meetings additional practices, additional workouts, additional meetings. And a lot of guys have been using the Ohio State game. So that's an aside. But, yeah, it's I think they, they got what they wanted out of this this spring game. You know, no, no further injuries. Obviously, that's a big one. Uh, I think they got to show the fans a little bit of what they've been doing, which which was significant. You know, there were there were some things to take away. I was expecting when I when I committed to doing ten takeaways, I was a little nervous I wasn't going to have ten because it was going to be a practice and you know 
not, not barely any tackling, you know, very limited action. But actually, there was a lot. And, you know, there are some new players stepping up. You mentioned the position battles. Uh, right tackle and, and kicker, obviously, the two that are definitive 50-50 battles. But, yeah, I think I think there could be some, some competition at receiver. I think there could be some competition at linebacker. I don't think Josh Ross or Devin Giller in a position where they can put their feet up just yet, uh, especially with the way McGrone and Anthony looked, uh, you know, cornerback. Tell you what, Jordan Anthony, interested to see how that goes because I think he's always a guy that's had a lot of potential and is one that I think the coaches have been kind of waiting for him to fully realize it and uh, could be a really, really good player if he figures it out. I mean, he's a guy that they were, they've had high hopes for for a while. Um, you know, I think he probably had to lose a little bit of weight hmm, okay. at points, um, but is a guy that I know they've always had you know, some pretty strong feelings about. You know, again, you look back at his high school film, I don't, I don't think it was a guy, again, it was never going to be a year one guy. It was more of a really good athlete just playing linebacker when he was at IMG. Um, but but as a guy, you know, and yeah, so he's actually one of the individual guys I think yesterday that would be most encouraging because I think most people have penciled uh, the two guys, the two other uh, Ross and uh, Gill. And yeah. Ross and, uh, you know, I've kind of penciled them in. But again, you talk. I think you have two guys with McGrone and Anthony who very, very high ceiling guys if they figure it out. And and I think we all know that McGrone will probably is going to be a guy at some point. I think. Well, he's already pushing. You know, if you ask the coaches, right. yeah, yeah, right. Um, Anthony, though, really interested to see if that becomes a legit battle because if it does, in my opinion. I think that means that that spot's going to be in pretty good hands, whoever wins. Because, I mean, that, that means that uh, both guys have been put, that the incumbent has been pushed. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's a guy I'm interested to see. Long yep. story short. So, yeah, um, I'm trying to think if there are any other things that we missed. We kind of touched on the freshman. Oh, Eric All, I think, is someone that's going to be in the rotation. Um, you know, the position battles we mentioned. Okay. Uh, hey, talk about Eric All real quick. That's. I mean, you want proof that these guys are making the right identifications at positions. Um, he played in an offense at Fairfield in Ohio, at Fairfield High School in Ohio, that barely threw the ball at all. Hmm. Uh, so, like McCune, really, yep, really, you know, got his got noticed. I mean, he was already a kind of a guy for them, but really took it to another level at camp. You know, but if for a guy like him, and especially whether it's at tight end or receiver. With who they already have, you know, receivers arguably arguably their deepest spot. If he sees the field at all on the outside, you don't talk about already hitting the jackpot on that on that evaluation. Uh, you know, so and then again, you still have Cornelius Johnson to enroll this summer, who was one of the two or three best receivers at the Army game. So yeah, you know, no, I mean, it's it's like that with the whole class, right? Like you're talking about Sanders still probably in the rotation. You're talking about. Uh, Mozzie Smith, probably in the rotation. You're talking about um, Eric All. Uh, probably the other guys, probably not. But they haven't even gotten their best freshman in yet. So I do think, you know, that was one of my takeaways. Now we're kind of getting up to more than five. Well, but, but you know, know but they're going to have a lot of freshmen that contribute. Right. And that's, and that's the other thing is you have 18 kids who haven't even enrolled yet, including Hill, who obviously 
is kind of the face or the crown jewel, let's say, of, of the class. You know, and then you got Hinton. You have, and again, we talk about the offensive lines deep. Who knows if one of these other guys comes in and at least gives them something to think about. You know, mm-hmm. maybe Rumler on the right side at guard, you know, is a guy that could at least push into the two deep. You know, or, or I don't know about Keegan early on or, or Joe, maybe Jones, I guess. But, um, you know, it's just they, there's a whole – well, Giles Jackson, too, is another one yep. who I think will be very interesting to see if he can come in right away. Or another guy, too, DJ Turner, a guy I'm interested in. Again, I think they're, there's a depth chart developing at cornerback, but I think – I do think the door is open for a first-year guy to maybe do something. And we, I didn't hear much about Jalen Perry. I didn't ask much about him. But, I, again, I know DJ Turner is a guy they were high on from the very beginning. So, mm-hmm. uh, you okay. know, it could be another one to watch. That might be kind of interesting. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, hopefully that was enough for, for you listeners. Obviously, we're going to write a lot. Uh, kind of still getting all the quotes <laughs> transcribed, but um, should be plenty of coverage this week. I think we're going to have – Last spring practice with coverage will be Tuesday, uh, but they have they've shown plenty, you know. And, and I think if you're if you're a Michigan fan, you know there's still questions, of course. Uh, coverage, position battles, you know, how much will it translate against good, big, hard-hitting athletic teams like Ohio State and like Penn State? But uh, they did. I mean, if you if you had made an off-season checklist in January, other than maybe losing Madison, which has been discussed ad nauseum. Uh, they pretty much got everything everything they wanted out of these past few months. So uh, for Steve Lorenz and 24-7 Sports, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.